Hey guys, welcome back to Indie Talks on Pixel Response. As always, I'm Paul, and with me is Nathan. Hello. And today we have a special guest. We have Mr. Twinbeard Studios himself, Jim Crawford, uh, creator of Frog Fractions, as many of you should have played by now. And if you haven't, what the hell's wrong with you? How's it going, sir? Hey, I'm pretty good. Good, good. Also, Frog and Fractions as well, which I was just playing. And the asshole game. Yeah, which I just created one of those. Um, <laughs> I am apparently an asshole. Well, you I, oh you you chose option B on that one. Yeah, okay. mainly because I hate my neighbor that I live with, so fuck him. So you don't want to shovel snow? No, I may fuck want to him. He can snow. do it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, hello, Jim. How you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you? G- pretty great. I don't know. Today's been sitting at home a lot, but whatever been sure. anticipating this for a bit uh yeah sorry for i guess contacting you way before the actual time i just got really excited after i played frog fractions so yeah no worries. uh how do you feel i guess just about all the feedback that's come back on the game in the last little while it's definitely been popping up on some lists and stuff of best things like yeah it's been it's been crazy it's been crazy since the beginning when it was accidentally released um i i guess the the things that stand out most to me are uh, it got called out by both Giant Bomb and Idle Thumbs, both of both of which I'm big a big fan of. Okay. Mm-hmm. That specifically, both of those specifically made a lot to me. But in general, it's just like it's it's super weird to you know to be to be getting all this praise and attention and still basically just be living my regular life. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not like living the high life of a celebrity here. It's just. <laughs> regular life but also people are tweeting about my game all right like i guess like right after the idle thumbs episode there you did kind of post something about like all right i know a lot of people are talking about like supporting it financially or something go buy a t-shirt maybe like have you seen any kind of significant revenue from this at all or is it more just a free thing that you're you're just happy that people are talking about it kind of thing i'm happy to have this game out there for free I or the soundtrack, I guess, was also available, right? Right. The, t- the T-shirt is really, like, the T-shirt is, is more for the people who want the shirt because I I don't actually get that much money from it. Also, it's really expensive, so I don't know how I feel about that. Like, going through uh, the, the 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 one-off um, print providers, like uh, the Cafe Press and the Zazzle, and I think there's another one like that. They're all, the, the markup is really big compared to what would happen if, I actually had a print run. Oh, okay. Uh, and so I don't get a lot of money. The fans spend a lot of money, so I'm kind of of two minds about the shirts, but they're out there in case people want them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the, the soundtrack is the soundtrack has been selling well enough to cover my bandwidth costs, which is, you know, I'm happy with that. Mm-hmm. I'm happy I'm not losing money on Frog Fractions. <laughs> uh, I guess this isn't... By far your first game, though. Like you've been doing this for at least a while. Like when would you say you started p- putting games up on Twin Beard? Uh, I guess I started putting games up under the Twin Beard name. I think in two thousand nine. Okay. I think the first one was Futility Pong. I've been making games since maybe nineteen ninety two, but most of those just never saw the light of day. You know. Oh. Like, there was just no distribution of any kind? Like, those are just... Basically, yeah, I mean, it's the sort of thing where, like, hey, hey, my, I would show my friends I made this game and then do nothing with it after that. Mm-hmm. Honestly, even after putting stuff up on the web, I would say that Frog Fractions is the first game that I made that anybody other than my friends played. Like, okay. Like, I did see... I, I guess I that is true of me as well, though I did kind of start going through the back catalog. I found Futilitris pretty interesting. Sure, sure. A lot of people seem to like it now, but no one no cared. one noticed initially. No oh. one noticed. Hmm. I guess. Sorry, Paul. Like, I don't know if you played it. It's basically you. Ah, whatever. It subverts everything you know about Tetris and makes you feel kind of depressed. But then at least it ends. <laughs> I was happy it ended. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of like oh, a weird Tetris nightmare. Um. And oh, I also want to ask, I guess, about game jams. Like when, like when did you start going to those? That just seems to be a common thread through all of the discussions we've had is some interaction with game jams and such. Um, yeah. And there's um, a few of those up here, like the Molly Jam 2012, Huggy Bear. Yeah, the first one I went to was um, Tig Jam 3, which I think was in 2009. Mm-hmm. 
I guess that would have been around the time I put it, put up Futilitris. Um, and yeah, it's been a, making games has never been a social thing for me just because I've never, none of my other, none of my friends have really been interested in it. Um, and so joining this community that I was, that was apparently all around me for a while that I didn't know existed. Um, it's, it was pretty great. It was, it was like, you know, you, you, you have your solitary hobbies and you look at people with, oh, those, those are social hobbies. They make friends using those. Mm-hmm. Really of them, but like, too bad I'm not interested in doing that stuff. That would be nice. Um, and suddenly, suddenly a social hobby. Like, imagine if you discovered you could make friends while masturbating. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's how I made friends with Nathan, so. That's not oh, true. I, I know the feeling. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> on that that's not what happened but whatever it's films it was films if we want to be reductive about it but whatever <laughs> but okay fair enough like activities that are primarily solo affairs somehow became so I, yeah that... the thing is like game development doesn't have to be so- solo it's just what i happen to be doing mm-hmm. um and continue doing it at the jams it was just that i was it was also a social thing because i could show people what I was doing and look, look in on the development process that other people have. Um, and yeah, yeah, it was, it's, it's how I met most of, you know, I, most of the people I know involved in the scene, in the development scene. So yeah, it's, it's been really valuable. Uh, I guess, have you met some collaborators there, like some musicians and stuff that contributed to the soundtrack or whatever, or was that primarily still all you for Frog Fractions. I seem to um, a few names in the credits, or maybe I was too distracted by bug porn. But yeah. you know, there was names there. I noticed that. Yeah, yeah. The um, most most of the people who contributed um, that I met in, via the jams were testers. Okay. Um, the one name I can think of who actively contributed to the game, who um, who I met through that scene was. Uh, Oh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Kumar. He's the guy who did the narration for the uh for the boxing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. History. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how but, much like we're spoiling for Frog Fractions, but we I think we opened with enough of a disclaimer. You should go play it first. Hopefully, yes, people yes, realize. Yeah. I'm presuming that people are coming into this since we just started right off the bat talking about Frog Fractions. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't preface that enough. I, we haven't said specific gameplay things, but. Go it's that. a free game. Go play it. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, there's no time. excuse. If you haven't played it by now, turn it off, go play it, come back. Like, fuck off. Anyways. <laughs> Don't get angry about it, Paul. Just... Oh. No, I'm so mad about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is a separate discussion, actually, because I do think that, like, at this point, at this point in my life, I have the money to play every game I care about, but not the time. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the time investment for any given game is much more than the money investment. So, like, it being free does not really matter that much to me. Like, mm-hmm. I finding the spare two hours or whatever to put into a game, especially when it's one that looks as dumb as Frog Fractions does, <laughs> it's, a, it's a tall order. Yeah. Well, I mean, the first time I played Frog Fractions was about... 11 o'clock at night on a Friday and I was live streaming because I heard Nathan talk so highly about it. Oh. And I was like, okay, well, if this is going to be my first experience into something that sounds so crazy, I want other people on the internet to share it with me at the same time. And, yeah, uh, yeah I played it till about 1.30 in the morning and I think everybody in the chat room that was watching and me, we were all just like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> at least you discovered what happened because, like, I, I don't know how... Have you had many people like relay the experience of just like yeah waffle jokes funny like they don't get <laughs> the other level that's a lot of people but most of those people aren't actually talking okay uh, i i there was one forum post that made me feel so sad it was somebody said i played for six hours to get enough fruit to buy the warp drive <laughs> <laughs> and it was so worth it and i actually i sat down i with a, with a piece of paper and it did the number crunching and that's actually about how long it would take oh. to get by hand that's so. so yeah like uh friend of friend of the show i guess like i do another podcast with a friend named sean and yeah he just didn't find that layer i was so kind of 
sad on his behalf because I didn't want to then spoil the thing. Right. But it's just right, yeah, right. And that's, that's weird. actually important to me that people find it on their own because it's so much more powerful that way. Mm-hmm. And at, oh, and you're you're also an idle thumbster, right? So Sean Vanneman had a similar experience. It's right. Like, yeah. It's just like I don't I don't know. It, I didn't see the other part. Oh, okay. I, so you haven't actually played the game. Yeah, I liked how he blamed it on uh, on Chris and Jake. It was like, oh, you guys always send me the dumbest shit. Because I thought this was an episode. <laughs> yeah. Just dismissed it immediately, which is too bad. But, okay. Um, I guess I'm kind of curious just, like, if there's any specific points of inspiration. Like, the, in their discussion, they kind of br- they brought up Tim and Eric as a possi- possibility. I wasn't sure if yeah. that... More than one person has, and I have never seen that show. Okay. Okay. Like it was, yeah. It's not like as I was playing, I was like, "Oh man, this is clearly that." I didn't get that sense at all. It was just it it fit kind of in terms of random and variety and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I guess uh, I interrupted. Like, are there specific ones though? Like, then I can say, "Oh, yeah, I see that." Um, nothing's obviously there must be some, but for some reason my mind is blank. Like. The games of the '80s, you know. There's a lot of, a lot of that. The um, like, I I'm trying to think of other stuff I kind of thought of while playing it, like the WarioWare games, maybe. Again, in terms of just gameplay variety, rapid fire, humorous yeah. kind of tone. I, I I'm a big fan of that series, so I mean, it, it wasn't a, a deliberate, a conscious touchstone, but it makes sense that that would be a, uh, a factor. Mm-hmm. Another factor is um, Retro Game Master, the um. The localization of Game Center CX. Are you guys familiar with that? Game Center, I don't think so. Yeah. Okay, it's a DS game. It's a uh, a fake anthology of '80s games. So okay. they actually came up with they they wrote eight new games in the style of 1980s. Wait, games. I played a game called Retro Game Challenge, which oh that was it. Yeah, reminds yeah. me. Okay, like that Xseed put out over here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, like where there's like a fake like 8-bit RPG that you kind of have to grind to a certain point. Yeah, and I love that game. And honestly, like, so the major inflection point in the development of Frog Fractions, and I've talked about this before, but this is probably the best answer to your question, is um, I had I had been working on this thing for a few months, mm-hmm. and it was like, it was the pond and then going into space, and then, and then the the dancing. I think I think that was all it was. Okay. Uh, and I had shown this to um, to Tim Ambrogi, who has been who's a friend of mine. Um, he was one of the the he's the lead programmer at um, Final Form now. He uh, made Jamestown. Oh, um, okay. And he. I had had all these tutorial pop-ups leading you by the nose through the game. So like it, it gave you instructions on how to play and it, it, it told you like flat out. Yeah. Okay. Now that you have the diving helmet, now you press down to dive underwater and Oh, look, all the, all the fruit. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And he refused to read any of this stuff. I, he said he, he didn't have the, you know, he was trying to play the game so he, he couldn't do it, but I think he was just being a dick. Yeah. Um, and and just refusing to read it, which, like, that's a, actually a really useful position to take as a playtester because people don't read that stuff. Uh-huh. So, so, so you need kind of other signals to kind of let people know what to do, or like... right? Well, he's he he was on the, at the pond for half an hour before diving, uh-huh. before he even tried moving up and down, um, and. I was pulling my hair out, and, and I, of course, you're not allowed in the, in the playtest sessions. This is one of the rules: you can't actually tell people what to do. You can't explain to people how they're why they're confused. Uh, you can't answer their questions because the the real players won't have the, have you there to answer your questions. You need to make the game stand on its own. Um, and he told me that when he finally did die, when he finally went underwater and and like broke broke through the fourth wall or whatever. Um, that it felt like um, discovering that you could burn bushes with the candle in The Legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which is like one of my, probably one of my top ten gaming moments, you know. Um, just the the discovery that you, you you can break through the world, there's more to it than you thought, and here's this, 
just the 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 mystery of games in general paying off. Uh-huh. And that was what I was trying to um that was what I realized when he told me this that I if I if I played it differently, if I removed all this tutorial stuff and I I made it more intriguing uh on its own merits and made it more like discoverable on its own mer- uh, on its own merits without having text everywhere. Right. Um I could have um I could build up to a moment like that. So like before that point did the fruit fall into the pool as distinctly and like all that stuff cuz like that that for me was kind of like a clue. But right. apparently it, like in it, Paul and I my discussion about it we kind of like it was just like well in most games when something falls off the screen it's just out of play it's gone. So yeah. that is no longer like you can't fault me for not figuring that out. And it's just like no, but it tells you you can move around. Why wouldn't you move around? And it's just like mm-hmm. okay, like it was more kind of yeah, it's just kind of in there, but it's implicit. It's not. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm playing with the expectations there. Like it, you know, on a single screen game, you're, you expect the edges of the screen to be boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I've actually seen some people. I felt tremendously guilty for this. I saw some like let's plays where people were trying to like they tried flying upwards, trying to go off the screen to the top. Uh, and of course, I, I didn't. I didn't implement that. I feel like I, I should think of something to go there. Like, I mean, where it's just, like, you just start flying away anywhere. No, but you can't, because you don't have the warp drive. So. Right, yeah, exactly. Well, that's how I, that's how I um, have it paced right now, but maybe there's a better designer than myself could probably have found something to figure out a way to solve that problem. Uh-huh. Uh, but, yeah, the, there were fruit falling into the pond, but there were, you know, there was no splash animation or sound. The right, fruit okay. At that point were just circles. The reason I think that... Um, that he didn't try flying up and down was that the the dragon was just an o- a green oval. It's just oh hey, there's this oval now. I'm I'm on this this oval instead of sitting on the on the ground. Oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. And like it was so abstract, there was nothing there to like hint that wait you should be able to move all around mm-hmm. up and down as well as left and right. And so that was that was the first. Well, the first thing I did. Was because I was I showed it to him and then I showed it to several other, other testers that night. The first thing I did was actually just disable all the tutorial stuff, and they made it through, which was actually really um, heartening for me. Just knowing that like even if I just do nothing but remove the tutorials, it's still playable. Uh-huh. Uh, and then I went I went home and I um I worked on you know things like making it clearer that you're collecting the apples. I made the apples like a little a miniature apple fly up to your score and then make a ding sound when it hits there. So let you know, this is how the, this is how the game mechanics are working. Um, and you know, that, that example is not actually that important for the rest of the game, but it is important to signal that the game is discoverable and to put people in a mind state where they're trying to figure things out. Right. Like at that point, it's no longer static. So you feel free to explore more. Like right. the second time you're presented with the same kind of thing, I immediately just left. Yeah, because just like, well, no, let's see what's down here. Oh wow! And then there was tunnels and everything. Right. Um, right. Are, is some of the stuff down in that water segment just Easter egg stuff for its own sake, kind of like dudes on couches watching TV and whatnot? Uh, I put that stuff there, um, basically because I had for a long time all there was was just the silhouette maze. Okay. And, you know, it's, it's, I saw people exploring and I felt guilty. Like even when I, it, it, it was boring for me, like testing that sequence was terrible because I was like, it took like five, 10 minutes to get through that thing every time uh-huh. and there was do or see. Um, and I wanted it to be like a slow contemplative kind of a thing. Um, and it wasn't until like I had the background art in, I had the, the narration in that, it was it was even remotely playable um and even then like since there's literally there was literally nothing to discover people could explore the entire maze and just feel like i've wasted their time okay so i wanted to have something in there just a just a little taste of something to the to, to for people to find so that it wasn't a complete waste of time uh-huh. and it was also just hilarious okay <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I like I again like it's just like things it reminded me of like that 
boxing narration part just seemed to me like an entry from the Hitchhiker's Guide or something. Like that kind of tone to it of just like someone reading these kind of absurd facts to you. I'm not sure if that's fair, but I'm sure you're familiar. Okay. Um, I'm not sure what else to really say about Frog Fractions other than, again, people should go investigate it. Like in light of the attention stuff, like do you have big plans for future projects or anything that you want to kind of... I've I've got a, a number of projects that I'm I'm thinking about and that I'm working on. Uh-huh. I'm I'm not sure how much I should say about any of them actually. Unfortunately, that's totally, that's totally fair. Yeah, but, no, I, I I am definitely working on stuff. Okay, mm-hmm. I guess backtracking a bit to like the gaming being a kind of solitary affair. Like that seems to kind of be true of single player games. Is that primarily what you're interested in as a as a player of video games? Like, do you play multiplayer stuff really at all? I like, yeah, I like co-op. Um, but I have, you know, growing up, um, growing up a gamer, um, one thing that I discovered about me as a person is that I don't like the person I become when I play competitive multiplayer. Yeah. Okay. And so I just don't do it. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, like you get too vocal and invested in it and stuff. Like, I, I've gotten pretty animated during Halo and stuff. Maybe. I no, I get angry really easily. It sucks. It's something I'm kind of, kind of like it. it, it I feel shame. I feel like, oh god, I'm the ape again. You know? <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I guess I've heard mostly that even in relation to some single player games, like super difficult games like Demon Souls and Zombie U and stuff. Like I become a bit of a prickly pear when I'm playing those. You should yeah. approach me. I'm, I'm in a serious stressful situation. Or Cart Life, for example. I, you actually. <laughs> I actually get that way with single player games as well, come to think of it, but I just like I don't have anybody to take it out on, so I just break the controller. Right. Yeah. It's very sad. It's it's a, a sad man child. Super guess... boy did that to me really bad. Oh Super to bother me actually. That's a weird that's weird. But I could totally fair about it or I don't know. I don't know. I think it might have just been like the difficulty might have been just calibrated just right for me personally. Mm. That going for the kid character, man, Jesus. Like, I think yeah, more than like, anything, I get mad at myself as I'm doing it because it's like you're better than this. You've got that far before. Why can't you get there now, you idiot? And I just get mad at myself. Right. Well, I mean, that's after like an hour of playing the same thing and listening to the same music over and over. Do you, yeah. Do you get? Have you played a lot of Super Hexagon, Paul? Or I haven't played any of it yet. No. Okay. Just I'm not sure if you'd find it re- like like that or kind of engaging well to be fair i almost have a hundred percent in super meat boy like i love playing it but it just gets the blood up a bit yeah okay um i guess just again like pulling from similar internet pools about video game stuff like idle thumb specifically have you taken a look at uh, cart life at all no i've heard I, i i heard them talk about it on the podcast but i haven't tried playing it myself oh okay I was just curious how how you how you would have felt about that, but it's it's okay. Um, I do know though, just through Twitter stuff. Um, I, it's it's super tangential, but I kind of just want to ask for some thoughts on it, just just because I think sure. it's interesting. Uh, your thoughts on the latest Tarantino Tarantino film, and in fact, his last five films. Right. Uh, like he's kind of just been doing the revenge plot, and mm-hmm. you kind of had some thoughts on that. I'm just wondering if you want to reiterate those here, or like, or maybe just how do you feel about him as a director? Of films. Well, he's clearly immensely talented. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just been um, he's been doing this thing where he's like paying homage to these, you know, the movies he liked as a kid. And the thing is, you can't trust your the taste you had as a kid. You can't trust your past self because kids have shitty taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this case, like what he's doing is he's the plot is very simple. First, you establish some people as bad, and then you kill them. Um, and this is a plot that I think personally is actually really harmful to, uh, to us as a culture because it reinforces the idea that bad people exist and that we should kill them. Like they're, they're somehow inherently bad. Like it doesn't, it doesn't see to fit to develop them into anything more than just villains. Right. And this is like a, this is a, well, that's actually a phenomenon that, that is true almost all storytelling, honestly, the setting up the villain character, just, oh, here is a bad guy. Mm-hmm. That's what 
the thing about him is that he's bad. That's why he's the antagonist. Um, and that's, that's certainly a, a problem in, in video games as well. I've just really simplified characters that don't kind of have any richness to them. Like, even ones I like, that, like games I like with villains that are somewhat memorable. Like, I'm thinking of Uncharted 2. Like, that dude's just the most stripped down. He's angry and kills people. Like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah, I mean, Uncharted, the, the, they're well-written, but they are basically pulp stories. They're basically comic books, you mm-hmm. know. Um, I, I guess off the top of my head, um, the, the quote-unquote villain in Bioshock, Andrew Ryan is an actual character. Mm-hmm. You know, he's an actual person with, with human, human, human ambitions and human flaws, and he is the antagonist of the story, but he's not the antagonist because he's a bad person. Who, who's the, like, I was kind of just, I, I agree with you about that game, I just, I was then disappointed that you do fight an end boss. A bad guy, yeah, you fight yeah. a mutant. Like, they kind of gin up their own, like, well, also there's a conventional villain, too, just, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. For satisfaction's sake. What's his name? Is it Atlas? Atlas? Fontaine Atlas. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, never mind. Okay. Well, no, I'm not dismissing it entirely. It just seems like they kind of tried to do something, but then still had to meet a quota or something like fit that. I'd never really thought about that. that, Like, the second half of the game, um, it kind of sucks from a gameplay perspective, but. Now that you pointed out, it actually also sucks from a storytelling perspective. <laughs> oh no, I didn't mean to like. Nathan, why do you ruin everything? I liked Bioshock. I'm just saying that <laughs> happened, and I do remember. No, and like we've had conversations about that before, where if it ended right after the Ryan the golf confrontation, stuff, yeah, that would have been like, the perfect what ending. A strange for strange sure. way to end a game, but then it was like, also, hey, use your yeah. powers to fight the thing. And I was like, oh, okay. I guess I'll do that. And in that regard, characters like going back again because I seem to always bring this up. Metal Gear Solid Three with the boss, she's an mm-hmm. actual character, and her ambitions and stuff are really what makes her the antagonist. It's what she's trying to do, not that, not the fact that she's just pure evil. Well, but... she has like reasons that she wants you to fight her and all this. I guess if you, like, have you? Sorry, Jim, have you played the Metal Gear Solid games or? I I played two. That's okay. I think that. Yeah, even in 2, Solidus, like, he was right the whole time, and it's just the way he's going about it. He made very human mistakes about being maybe too ambitious and going about things maybe the wrong way. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily make him evil, but he is the antagonist. Right. I think right. what we said about, like, what you said about Uncharted and comic booky though, like, I love Metal Gear, but it's so ridiculous. Well, and, like, Far Cry 3, I've been playing... And, Living like, Voss, so whatever. so far, I have no reason why Voss is doing anything he's doing. He just seems like a guy that likes to kill people, uh-huh. and I don't like that. Like, it's yeah. not, it's turning into a revo- revenge plot. Like, I can buy the whole, you're trying to save your friends and get off the island, but now it's starting to turn more towards, like, no, we gotta kill these guys, and I don't like that. Yeah. Okay. I, I want to say it's lazy, but honestly... This is kind of what people want out of their escapist fiction. You know, they want it, it's I mean it's you could argue that it's facilitating laziness on the part of the consumer. Uh-huh. You don't have to you, you can you can just be angry at this person and and wreak vengeance upon him without like worrying about whether or not he really deserves it because of course he deserves it. He's the villain. Yeah, like y- your thoughts on Django kind of made me look through my thoughts a little more thoroughly because like i was just like ah whatever it was tarantino it's what i expected it was stylish and everything why not but then after it's just like wow yeah that scene where they introduce uh leonardo dicaprio's character is basically just exists to make him seem super evil which was just like i guess yeah that's a little straightforward um i know paul hasn't seen it though so i'm talking a little vague about it but yeah. Well, yeah, that scene is well. You don't really need to because that scene is in every every movie like that. Right. Like the villain is doing something unquestionably bad, so that's the, that's you the, don't need to worry about yeah. feeling good about him dying and later. Fails him and he kills his own henchman. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a thing that that happens in I I would guess like thirty percent of movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm just trying to trying to think. Th- okay. Wow. What? what? 
and Glorious Bastards, all all of those, I guess, have similar things. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Kill Kill Bill. Okay. Well, I know, like, fiction. You and I mm-hmm. were talking a little bit about The Walking Dead and the Governor. Okay. And how, um, in the show, they're not showing us why, like, we should care, like, why he's, like, they're obviously setting him up to be a villain, and neither of us have read the comics. And in the show, they don't show, like, why he is considered bad. Mm-hmm. So, like, it seems like now they're probably going to start doing that, but it's again, it's one of those things that... They're oh, you out- just mean, like, his actions aren't, like, sharply different enough from stuff we've seen our protagonists do. Right, exactly. Like, well, he's clearly more evil, because right. he shot those guys. And it's like, yeah, well, But now it seems like with the next part or whatever, they're probably going to start making them do more stuff like that. I'm wondering if it's a reaction to this whole idea that, like we have to make it okay that bad things happen to this person more so than this just happens in this situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so sorry, Jim. I'm not sure if you've really been following walking dead. We just got no, a in there. Okay. Um, we didn't say anything I mean, specific. I mean, I get the phenomenon you're talking about where the villain is, if you look at it from a, um, unbiased perspective, the villain is actually behaving just like the hero is mm-hmm. something that is maybe an interesting, um, Actually, telling perspective an interesting direction to explore something to do deliberately. Yeah, actually, I'm sorry. Like, have, did you see Skyfall this past year? No. Okay. Just that—that's an example of a villain that I thought was like fleshed out so much more, and also had a really interesting performance in it than James Bond himself, which made me feel kind of weird about. Yeah, well, James Bond isn't really a character. Yeah, he's but... such a kind of just icon that does his thing, and it's just like yeah. okay. Whereas this other guy is like, wow, this really eccentric Spanish, like, former agent. This guy's great. Oh, he doesn't get to succeed because he's the bad guy. Oh, well. Yeah. Right. That happens quite a bit. Or, like, Trevelyan and Goldeneye, perhaps. Like, for just to stick with James Bond. When like, I saw whenever- Chronicle finally this year, like, oh, a few yeah. days ago. Yeah. That, like, what do you think of a movie like that where you're kind of following a person turn into a quote-unquote bad guy? Mm-hmm. Like this idea that they're showing what's happening, like through uh, someone's origins or whatever, that might make them act the way they do later on. Right. Like, does that have any more clout in your mind as a storytelling mechanic for quote unquote evil? Sorry, are you asking me? Uh, well, I, uh, sorry, Jim. Have you seen Chronicle? Like, I didn't want to give anything out in case. No. I have- I mean, I've I've seen the Star Wars movies though, which seems like another example. Okay. But you know that that sort of thing is uh, the Star Wars actually makes a really interesting example because Darth Vader is just a bad guy right up until the final scene of Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, spoilers for Star Wars, everybody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then they they George Lucas tried to go back and write an origin story for that character, and unfortunately, didn't do a very good job. But um, mm-hmm. but I, I I do think that that's actually you know a really powerful idea that that you set up a character such that this looks like I mean and this this has to have been I can't think of examples off the top of my head but this has to have been done where like you set up a character as like oh this guy seems like he's just a bad guy and then you kind of pull the rug out from under the audience by establishing oh well that actually makes perfect sense that this person would be behaving this way, or you, you look at what made him that person. Right. You know, that definitely seems like something I've seen, but I'm, I'm trying to put my finger on where that's happened. Like I've definitely seen the slow decline into evil, like with like the Godfather or something like Michael Corleone, like starting ambitious and naive kind of about the criminal dealings. And then he becomes worse than his father and all that. Spo- spoilers for the godfather yeah um, <laughs> like i'm just but, trying to think too i it feels like i've seen the movie where it's showing this guy and he's doing terrible shit and then later on you find out that he was just trying to like save his like family or something Ooh, actually like if we've has everyone here seen looper <laughs> nope okay yeah, yeah okay they i know kind of do that mm-hmm. and it was great but we won't get into the specifics about that's it. good to know yeah, it's it. That was my favorite aspect oh, of that movie. Saw. Oh, great. Okay. Uh, I, I was not convinced by that one. No, but with Saw, like, 
mean, okay, we all saw Saw, right? Saw, yeah. Saw. Okay, so you think the whole time that it's that Zed guy, but really he's just being his strings are being pulled as well, like that. Yeah, but idea. But Saw himself still just seems like I am. I have cancer and I'm bitter and I'm gonna kill. That me. doesn't matter. I'm talking about Saw one before any of that other bullshit. So oh, okay, you're saying the thing is like you think Zed is being a terrible person because you find out he's the one that captured these guys and he's doing this and this, but really it's his strings being pulled because they're gonna kill his family. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I guess that's fair. Um. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. That doesn't really seem like the same kind of thing in, to to me. But well, I yeah. Guess... Like it's more like for his own very selfish reasons, he is being controlled. It's not like mm-hmm. he's become someone else because of events or whatever. Right. But yeah. Like, and you don't get are privy to those things and get to see why that. Well, happened. he's technically becoming someone else because of events that are happening to him. So it still works in that regard. I suppose I just didn't like that movie, so I'm I'm trying to. That's know, fair start. enough. Yeah, I didn't see the subsequent one. Anyway, okay, so that's the digression about films. Um, I guess yeah, like we're, we're talking about just uh, film storytellers and whatnot. I, I'm trying to kind of make a connection with game creators. Like, are there <laughs> people in the industry specifically that you find kind of like maybe not an auteur or something, but that person has a distinct thing they do. I like that. I want to play that guy's games. Are there any folks like that? Yeah, I mean, there are, there are a lot of people. Um, of course, my mind is blank, but there has to be. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Edmund McMillan, maybe. That was yeah, good. I remember noticing specifically his work. He's got a, a real mindfulness of design that um, that you don't... You know, I think maybe that's something that's happening, like, in the current generation of designers, the people who've grown up with games uh-huh. versus people who grew up with like tabletop stuff and the, the video games aren't their native language, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, Edmund McMillan really just seems to have a, a natural knack for thinking about this stuff. Um, yeah, I was really impressed with his stuff. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does next. Oh, the, 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 even the, the binding of Isaac remake. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'm a big fan of like the obvious ones, like Shigeru Miyamoto, of course. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I am a big fan of like looking at, and as opposed to playing what you know Will Wright and Peter Molyneux do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really feel like I should be, I should have a whole like pantheon in my head here, but I need to be primed. I need like some sort of prompt. Okay. Right. Uh-huh. I'm trying to trying to think through kind of recent like there what's kyle pulver is a guy who's been talked about a bit lately like with offspring playing and snapshot and stuff i love uh what suda does suda 51 he's uncompromising and like what he wants to do Uh, usually it results into a bad game there's another example of that where like like suda 51 he's got great ideas and not really great games yeah like i i uh, Tim Schafer is one of those guys who, like, would I think would make great movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think what what was the most satisfyingly playing Tim Schafer game. Brutal oh, Legend. No, <laughs> I know. Probably not. <laughs> I still have that on my shelf. I don't know what to do with it. No one wants it. Yeah, I still haven't <laughs> finished that game. I was so excited too. Mm-hmm. But I, I I actually I do really appreciate what Double Fine specifically is doing with like their kind of transparent development process stuff of late and whatnot, like with the mm-hmm. the uh, Amnesia Fortnite kind of opening that up for people to see what's yeah, going on. That's great stuff. Mm-hmm. And I mean and, like, Valve. What Valve does is great. Is there like that's the thing though? Like I don't find like a distinct voice in it. Is the thing like it's like a such a collaboration project? Like I don't. Yeah, I think it's like, more so the idea that? that they have like a psychiatrist or a psychologist helping mm-hmm. them like just know the psychology of what the player will see and what they will think so they and make everything stuff over and over and kind of yeah stuff. and working in stuff so that the player feels like they're getting a different experience than other video games like, i guess if there's one person i would highlight it would be like eric Wolpaw or something like the writer mm-hmm. yeah portal but... yeah ah. Uh trying to think of like other noteworthy folk like i mean like recent stuff like i guess did you see indie game the movie basically is the names that are coming to mind just because uh, yeah and 
I, I think that like the, Phil Fish and Jonathan Blow. Yeah. Thinking about this stuff, like Phil Fish, Phil Fish and Jonathan Blow specifically um, are people with very strong opinions, mm-hmm. and I think that's the kind of person you want making the art and having control of art. Mm-hmm. You know, Jonathan Blow made a um, uh, one of my favorite games, um, and I don't agree with everything he says, but I do actually agree with a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, like in terms of, for example, like. Um, ethical versus unethical game design. I do feel like, like games like MMOs are kind of veering off uh, a, a deep end of ethic of unethicality that maybe is is just maybe these games are just bad for humanity. Oh, I think, like in terms of creating this weird kind of like hit the lever and get a pellet kind of psychological uh, yeah. and response. And if you look at games like Farmville, that's just way off the deep end. It's it, at that point it becomes kind of obvious. Right. I, it, I, like a lot um, of the free to play game loft stuff too is just like this isn't like this is kind of taking a license hostage to make me pay money for it or something like they they do that sometimes or yeah, yeah. free to play tap to manage a town type games tapped out right tapped out <sighs> I, I I did not put that on my new phone so it's gone okay good it. but yeah and it in the case like, of of Bill Fish he's also been very vocal and. He actually hasn't been talking so much about game development, um, but the, the, some of the decisions he've made are, he's made are very unusual. Like the decision initially that it should be a con- that Fez should be a console only game. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, a kind of a weird choice, and to non-console owners, kind of an annoying one. But it's. It, it kind of fits in with the uh, the design ethos of Fez in general, which is just like he's making a game that to to basically bring you back to his childhood. Right. And if you want to be in his childhood, this is going to be a great game for you, and otherwise it's not really. Uh-huh. I, I, I think it's... This is one of the things I, I like about the... Uh, I mean, maybe the thing, honestly, about indie game development is that you have the, the single voice... Um, the single opinionated voice stating the thesis of the game loud and clear, so to speak. Um, and it's, it is something that like when you, when you get to larger scale games, there's still sometimes an auteur, but it's never as, um, it's never as clear a vision. It's always muddled by something. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess on that larger scale development stuff, like I, I was, pretty fascinated with Clint Hawking for a while, reading through his blog yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And like... Far Cry 2 specifically is kind of... Uh, it, I, I couldn't get into it, but it was it was pretty clear to me, like, for the reasons that I couldn't get into it, that this is kind of a, an amazing accomplishment. Right. Like, there was a lot of intent behind a lot of those decisions. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, he's backed that up since. Like, that's why I'm very comfortable feeling justified in my opinions about that game, but whatever. Um... But yeah, he he seems an interesting case of trying to kind of get big development money and like big teams, but still have some sort of control over it. I'm not sure what he's doing now though. Like he was at Valve briefly, or is he still there? Did he get absorbed into that whole thing? I don't know. Yeah, I love him. I don't know. Okay, he's definitely stopped blogging for a while. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, I guess yeah. Like we've been talking about kind of independent games and stuff. I feel. This last year specifically has been a really interesting time for that. Like, do you have any thoughts on the past year of games? Like, was it a good year for games or not? I, like, there's been. I, I think notably this year is one of the best years for indie games and one of the worst years for um, classical AAA games. Yeah, mm. which yep. seems to kind of highlight the smaller games out there in a way that I thought was extra interesting because it's just like, right. well. I'm trying to think, like, some examples. Like, I specifically just wasn't buying a lot of $60 experiences because I was had a stack of, like, 5 and $10 ones at home, just on Steam or whatever, or iOS. I mean, what, what kind of games are you trying to think of examples of? Well, a lot of people seem to be disappointed with Assassin's Creed 3. I haven't personally played it, but... Yeah, yeah, I, I was one of those. I thought... Like I, I was, I was personally a little bit let down by Darksiders too. Like I got really excited about it, and then it just didn't do what I wanted in terms of the story and whatnot. That's so, too bad. Yeah, I thought Sonic was pretty great. Um, I really liked that. I really thought it 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 nailed the um the the Deus Ex um atmosphere and and 
and vibe of providing the player with a choice without without trying to ape the uh, the play mechanics. Sorry, which was that again? I, I, I th- uh, dishonored. Dishonored. Oh, okay. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, I I didn't personally play that. I just I, something about the early demo stuff I played and saw. I just wasn't feeling what it was doing. But I I don't have a lot of Deus Ex nostalgia either. Sure. So it might have just not really been keyed up for my kind of thing. I'm trying to think of bigger like. Zombie U, I did enjoy. If you've played that, but it's kind of on that weird new platform, so no, I haven't. I, I've heard nothing but good about it, which I was surprised by. Like, yeah, like especially a zombie game in 2012 just, with a name like Zombie U. Yeah, it's like yeah. this clearly exists just to cash in on multiple fronts. But they actually made some interesting, like specifically, they pulled inspiration from weird places like Demon Souls and Dark Souls, and that's kind of cool for like a first person action thing like that. It actually worked. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in terms of smaller stuff though, yeah, there's just a long list of things like hotline Miami. I thought was really interesting. I saw that was on your list as best murder simulator or best, <laughs> best, uh, that term most applies. Most deserving of the term. Yeah. yeah. Um, journey Splunky. Uh, d- did you ultimately enjoy journey? It sounded like it was like the multiplayer aspect of it actually weirded you out. Yeah, it did. Um, I came away from it not actually liking it, but having an immense amount of respect for it. Okay. And so, like, it went on that list, even though it wasn't a game that I actually liked. Mm-hmm. I didn't really take it as, like, a li- I don't think I didn't interpret it as a list of games I liked. It was more I, just, like, I, noteworthy, interesting things. Yeah, it was my, you know, my Indie Awards for 2012. This, this is the award for making me wonder whether I need anti-anxiety medication. <laughs> Whereas, I guess, like, in a similar way, like, Walking Dead I found very interesting, even though I was ultimately not satisfied with some things about it. But, right. yeah. Like, just terms of, like, how much gameplay do you need in a thing to warrant the term video game? Like, Honestly, if it's... I could have done with, like, I thought the gameplay in Walking Dead was the worst part. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the... I, I could have gone uh, like all the, even all the puzzle solving. I could have that, that could have gone away, and I would have been happy. Like well, it, like specifically in the final chapter, there was a puzzle that wasn't even really a puzzle. It's just like you have a thing that opens elevator doors now. All right, there you opened it. Like it's just like this is just yeah. a key, basically. This isn't even a thing I have to do. It's more this... like a puzzle in Doom. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I, I I still haven't played the last episode of that um, okay but spoilers there's an elevator it, it's not <laughs> elevator key in there yeah yeah sorry <laughs> just jump to the last episode as an example i don't know why i did that but it, it sprung to mind it's, i mean it's what came to mind yeah yeah um well i mean that's that's kind of like something for the player to do to advance the story i guess as opposed to a puzzle mm-hmm. and I, I honestly don't have a problem with that like I feel like that that game was at its best when you were talking to people and making decisions. Right. And the yeah, game could have been it could have been nothing but that, and still have been worth the money and worth my time. I think. Like yeah, like I, I feel kind of weird being super harsh on it because like I ultimately played like maybe fifteen twenty dollars for it, and it certainly was more than engaging enough to justify that. And I'm I'm kind of I'm more interested right now. I'm kind of watching someone else play through it. When they're when they do that, like just to kind of see, like, does this work as just kind of a filmed narrative kind of thing, like without my control, is it still interesting? And trying to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's definitely some noteworthy things that happened in that game. Um, and then there's kind of weird experimental stuff this year, like Proteus and Thirty Flights of Loving, like those kind of. I'm not sure if you got a chance to look at those. Yeah, I played Thirty Flights of Loving. Um... And that was another one of those. I, this was something that um, well, Chris Remo talked about this in the Idle Thumbs cast, um, specifically that this was an example of a game that would be a really bad fit for green light. Uh-huh. And he was talking about that. I was thinking about Frog Fractions. I was thinking about like how would I, how would I sell Frog Fractions on green light? And they, I mean, and the answer is of course that you don't. There's just no way. Mm-hmm. Well, because you need to maintain that surprise. You can't. 
if like, the whole you, point is if you show your hand of like what it is that makes it interesting, then you've broken it, kind of, right? right? That's that's just a weird dilemma to be in, but yeah. And I thought that um, what what the guy, the Stanley Parable guy, did um, mm-hmm. was a really clever and tasteful way to handle it. But I don't think that game would have been successful on Greenlight unless there had already been the existing release that people like, had already played and liked. Like on Desera and stuff, because I, I definitely played Stanley Parable quite some time ago. Yes. Like, what was it in the way he marketed on Greenlight? Like, what was his approach? He basically he came up with a trailer which, oh, which told you basically nothing about the story, but captured the vibe pretty well. Mm-hmm. And it was it was talking more about, as I recall, the more about the just the idea of a remake than about the Stanley Parable itself. Hmm. And I mean, I guess if I wanted to try to, um, if I hypothetically wanted to try to do that with Frog Fractions, I, I the way to I, I, I have a pretty good shot, I would imagine, um, just just because there's an existing fan base, um, right? Now, but it's it seems like it, it's a I don't know it 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 just seems distasteful to um, to have to make a game and then make a remake of the game in order to get the remake on Steam. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess since since it's come up like naturally, I've kind of been getting opinions on Greenlight as an initiative. Like, do you think it's a good idea long term? Like, will it like from what you've seen? Like, do you have ever have time to dig through all this stuff though? That's kind of my problem no, with it. I, like, I don't. There's probably amazing stuff deeply buried in there, but if no one is gonna dig to dig through it, they won't find it. And I just don't know. After that I, initial week, that's where Desera is good. Because people are on there for indie games and they'll rate stuff, and then you can just take a look to see if they're right. Mm-hmm. I've kind of been taking a shine to good old games as well lately. Good old like, games is great, yeah. Finally signing up for that. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what the, the intent for Greenlight, like the the use case intent for Greenlight is. Like, are you supposed to go and dig through the slush pile? Mm-hmm. I got, I I got the sense that it, the, the the use case was more like, please go, like you you get a message. In, via some like via email or via Twitter or, or the website from a developer saying, please go vote for our game. And then you go vote for the game by clicking on a link as right. opposed to, like with the, when, when Greenlight came out, like the, the purpose of it seemed to be like, let the community sort through the slush pile. And then a week later they seemed like, my God, this, this thing is a slush pile. We have to do something about that. Right. Like they didn't anticipate the amount of disorganization that would happen. Mm-hmm weird chaos yeah it it was a like maybe maybe that was me not understanding like well they really want people to go vote for all the individually vote for every game or something i don't know Hmm. yeah i think more than anything it was just steam's answer to the growing indie thing like we're not gonna get any games are a thing now so we should probably do something with that it seems, yeah, it seems in its own way kind of like that Xbox Live indie channel, like kind of a poorly conceived solution. The like indie what? channel is gross, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> despite there being some cool stuff in there, like a scapegoat, you know? Yeah, a scapegoat's great. Yeah, but mm. no one knows There's really it. good stuff in there, but you'll never find it because there's like 500 clones of Minecraft and vibrate the controller on your genitals stuff. <laughs> and like, yeah, no way of sorting through it. Xbox. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah, I feel like um, the indie game channel. A friend of mine um, was saying that the um, the next generation is going to go to whoever figures out why the app I- iOS app store succeeded where the Xbox Live indie game channel didn't. Yeah, mm-hmm. they're actually remarkably similar in terms of like effort required to get a game done and um, game price and the and yet. It, you you can actually make money in the app store and you can't on Xbox. You know the last thing I heard about um, the indie game channel was that Microsoft was had just stopped paying out the royalties owed. Like, yeah, that sounds like something they would do. Yeah, mm-hmm. like for the past six months they've been they've been piling up the money has been piling up in accounts and they just haven't sent out the checks. 
Huh. That's gross. I hadn't yeah. heard that at all. I, th- I thought it was just. And more that's like why that. I no longer pay for Xbox. Mm-hmm. Well, among many other reasons, but. PlayStation Plus, yo. Nah. Well, I mean, the fact that I'm paying $60 a year to be bombarded with ads, like, fuck you. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, you get bombarded by the ads even if you don't pay the $60, so it's not actually what you're paying for. Yeah, exactly. Like, either, like, it would be nice if they had a version of Xbox Live that was free, but you have all the ads. Like, I would pay the 50 or $60 a year to remove the ads completely. No problem. But. Right. I just I just don't know what I'm paying for anymore on there. Well, but. it's weird because with Xbox you're basically paying for their ransom, mm-hmm. whereas PlayStation Plus they're giving you stuff. They're like, yeah, so you get all this stuff, but if you want to give us a little extra money, we'll throw a little extra stuff your way. Mm-hmm. Positive you enforcement. Plus these days, free games every well, week. It's like a digital. It's your digital games library, which they just kind of have discounted to zero for subscribers so Wait. for example uh retro city rampage is now on there for free as is bioshock 2 like huh. you can just download so, those it, do, do those get links to your account do you keep them for as long as you're paying this subscription yeah uh if you redeem it within a time window that's where it gets kind of weird like it's it's like my library will be bigger than someone who signs up today will be because they won't have access to stuff from before like three months ago it kind of expires yeah it's it's kind of strange it's like not quite comparable to like a netflix library or something an extremely small library to be clear Mm -hmm. but one with some noteworthy stuff in there like you know renegade ops is in there Mm -hmm. is um borderlands one business model do you lose the uh do you lose access if you stop paying? If you stop you, yes, that's where they kind of get you. But I, I don't know. It no, seems like, like mine ran out, and as soon right. as I do it again, I will have access again to the games I have already on my account. Thing is, they also kind of incentivize you aside from that in terms of like you just get discounts on some of their PSN releases. So like Papa Papo EO was three dollars off for subscribers oh and you get exclusives too like journey was available for like a week or something before See, that's that's where it gets kind of weird yeah but yeah that was true as well like early access to some stuff um, yeah that's much better value than live gold well yeah because like the base stuff of just like voice chat and online multiplayer is just standard so <laughs> then they kind of have to incentivize you to want to pay them oh and they give you cloud storage too for your sites. right Right, that's true. And automatic yeah. updating. I'm definitely comfortable with my purchase of it so far. I, this is my first year subscribing, though, so yeah, it could go south, but yeah. They, they also just added Vita games and such as well, if you have one of those. And all the good ones, too, apparently. Well, like Uncharted and stuff, yeah. I should just say all of them, because there's like no games that anybody wants on the Vita, except for the ones they release for free. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I guess, yeah, any kind of thoughts on recent stuff? Have you been playing recent games? Just a final question, I guess. Like, I, w- <laughs> I was playing Retro Game Challenge, actually. Okay, sweet. <laughs> Which, I, <laughs> that was- I've never beaten that. I got pretty far, I think I got to the RPG stuff, and I was just like, there's got to be a trick to this, because I don't want to actually grind to this much, but then I just yeah. gave up. I mean, it's, that, there is a trick to it, but, um... But you do have to to play like much more than you did the previous games in that in that in that meta game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I I liked that game a lot. I uh, feel like it's really a a shame that that it didn't sell better because that sort of game I think would it's the sort of game that would appeal to pretty much anybody who grew up playing games in the eighties. Right. There's and, like fake magazine covers they talk about. Well, not just the covers; they have like fake magazines in the in the game. I, yeah, yeah, they um, definitely are pretty thorough. Yeah, it was a lot, a lot of weird retro retro styled content in that in that package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely remember seeing it on shelves for like four dollars. Like it just confused people. It's just like, please take this. No one wants it. I was like, oh, I bought that yeah. day one. It was great. Yeah, that's a shame. I, actually, I know a lot of people who played that on a. On a uh, flash cart, unfortunately, hmm. just drives me crazy. Because my understanding is that that the uh, the game sold initially fairly well, and then 
it dropped off really quickly, and that's and it, since it hasn't sold well enough, that's why they haven't localized the sequel. Oh, there's actually a sequel? If in Japan there is. Oh, okay. Wait. Oh, wait. No, you'd have to read stuff pretty specifically. I was like, oh, but DS cards are region-free, right? So... Yeah. But... But you still... You still... There's a lot of text in the sequel, especially. Like, there's a... um. My understanding is that there's a game in there which is like... uh. I mean, I guess it's kind of like the text adventure section in uh, Frog Fractions, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's just like it's an adventure game. It's all and a lot of reading, a lot of reading involved. Okay, so that unless you know Japanese very very well, right? No way to play that, that's too bad. <sighs> I've been okay. playing Borderlands. One or two? Sorry, Borderlands two. Yeah. Okay. That's it's another one of those games where, like, here's a thing I can do. It's, uh, it's, I, I was, I've been moderately impressed by, like, the variety in the mission design and the cleverness of the writing. Um, but for the most part, it's just like, here's a, a thing to do with my hands for a couple of hours while talking to friends. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just which is a, shoot things. A, yeah, which is kind of a game genre. It's one of those games that I feel guilty for liking because it's not, you know, it's not edifying in any way. Right, but you you said you like the co-op, and that's arguably the best part of it, right? Like yeah, yeah, and and arguably, like the the mere fact that it has co-op means like I'm spending time with friends that has value, especially yeah, for, there you go, especially for an introvert like myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay, Nathan, I, anything else? I don't I don't think so. I guess, I guess that's that's all I really had on here. All oh. right. Well, the main question we ask everybody is if you had any advice or disclaimers comments to anybody that wanted to make their own video games do the indie game thing what would you tell them so if on a practical level um i i think that it's it it depends where they're coming from like if someone who just all they know is they want to make games the first thing you do is learn to program right um even if like even if that's not your skill set like if you're making games and you are a designer or you're a musician, I think you should still learn to program because that's something that um, it informs every other aspect of the uh, of the art. Mm-hmm. And if you've already got that, if you've already got that skill set, then um, you the other the other skill set you need is is actually making and finishing games, which you which you get by making and finishing games. Mm-hmm. And that's the you need to finish games, which means probably you want to do things of like a a weekend jam scope. Okay. So, so if you live in an area that has game jams, go to game jams. Go to the jams that are actually about um, making a game in a weekend because um, that'll teach you faster than anything else about how to, you know, cut back features so that you can ship on time. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting practice finishing finishing something is actually really difficult and really valuable. So that's one of the easiest ways to do that. Um, and the other thing that going to game jams will get you is contacts. So you will meet other people making games. You'll meet, you'll you'll get to you know, share in their expertise. You'll get their um, networking ability if if they have that. Some of them do. And it's if you don't live in a place that has game jams, like move to, where, move to the Bay Area. Like seriously, this is uh, this is it, it is so much easier. Like it is. Oddly enough, it is so much easier to make games here than anywhere else, just because mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that, because like you think making games is something you can do anywhere, but having a community is uh, is huge. Yeah. Um, and if you can't do that, uh, join uh, the join some the TIG Source forums or something like that. Some some online community. Mm-hmm. Sorry, what was that 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 website? The forums. Let me let me double check because I, I don't want to get this. <laughs> I think it's this. The, I think it's the TIG Source forums. Okay. But let me pardon my typing sounds for a second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Finding an online community in general, like I've been definitely speaking out more on forums lately, <laughs> so that's a good thing, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, okay. So the URL is forums.tigsource.com. Uh, that's T-I-G Source. Um, and yeah, that's uh, I. Yeah, I, I've been uh, continuously amazed with how how um, how much of a difference having a community makes for. Uh-huh. for I mean, it, it is basically like this is why I I say I've been making games for 20 years, 
But the reason that I have been, I started releasing games like after 20 years is that I've actually been around other people who make games and I'm motivated by them and I, you know, wanting to like share things with them. Like every feature I added to Frog Fractions was like, oh man, I'm going to get to show this to somebody at this weekend or next weekend. It was very, uh, very motivating to have such a proximate reward for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, I guess just in relation to like networking and community events and stuff, like have you made it out to any big convention stuff at all, like a PAX or E3 or something? Or no, um, no. I have. I am going to the uh, Indie Summit for GDC for the first time this year. Okay. So that's going to be something new and exciting for me. I mean, for me, the um, the the jams basically have kind of been that though. I feel like they're kind of they kind of serve the same purpose. They don't have the the seminars. Yeah. But I feel yeah. like the, the social aspect of it is more important anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. I, I, can, I can see that. Yeah. Um, okay, well, yeah, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Um, I guess that, that does it for this episode. Yeah, um, sounds great. Uh, anybody on the internet that doesn't know who you are wants to play your games or talk to you, where can they do that? Uh, so I am um, Mogwai Poet on Twitter, M-O-G-W-A-I underscore P-O-E-T. Um, it's like and, a Gremlins uh, reference, or uh, it is. Okay, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there sort you go. of. Mm-hmm. That's uh, I, I, that that was. Well, there's a also that, a band, but right. This is this is part of the part of the problem is that I actually picked this. I had a visual image in mind, which is basically Gizmo. I think the name of the the famous Mogwai with wearing a beret. Yeah. But I basically picked it because it's a nice collection of syllables, um, and the problem I've discovered with this name is that it has way too much meaning. Okay. People just like they they see this name and all sorts all sorts of like ideas flood their head, and I just wanted I just like these letters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, this sounded nice to say. I'll be this this selection of sequence this sequence of syllables. Um. And the website that you can find Frog Fractions on is TwinBeardStudios.com. All right, sounds good. Well, thank you for taking time out with us. Uh, we love your game, obviously. So it was a pleasure. Thank you and for we me. Hope to check talk out Utilitris. It's it's scary. Okay.